Good morning. I'm Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. Today, we're going to learn a lot about the Long Beach Peninsula from my guest, author Jan Bono. Jan has been a resident of the Long Beach Peninsula for 43 years. She is a prolific author. She's been a teacher. We're going to learn about her journey because it was, it's was it been quite a journey, and it continues. Um, Jan's latest book in her uh, series, uh, she has a, a mystery series, is entitled Oyster Spat. And there will be a book signing on Friday, this Friday, July 31st, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the Peninsula Senior Activity Center in Ocean Park, Washington. And Jan will be there with her mask, and uh, all people, are, all, all folks who are coming are asked to wear masks, and she will sign this copy of her latest book. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, Donna, and thanks for having me on your show today. I really appreciate being able to talk with you and share things with my viewers and, and get to know um, the community a little better. Absolutely. Well, you've done a lot of research on all your books, but before we talk about your books and, um, and about this book signing and how you came to write these, these books and a new genre that I wasn't familiar with, um, I would love it if you would please uh, let the listening audience know about your background and history, please. Absolutely. I, um, I'm 66 years old, just had a birthday last month, and I've been on the Long Beach Peninsula for two-thirds of that. But the journey that got me here was that I had a grandfather who taught school way back in 1909, and I always knew that I loved to teach my younger siblings, the neighborhood children. When I was seven, I asked Santa Claus for a blackboard and a piece of chalk, and I knew I wanted to teach. But I also knew I wanted to write. And those two things were my driving forces. For a while, I wanted to be an astronaut, but then my eyes weren't quite good enough. And I wanted to maybe go into politics, but then that wasn't kind of the way I was bent. <laughs> you know. So I, uh, I went through college in two years and 11 months because I didn't have the money to mess around. I needed to just pick a goal, work on it, checked off the classes. I didn't take one extra class. I got exactly what I needed to graduate. And then I looked for a job. I substituted in Wenatchee, and then I moved to Castle Rock, and that was a one-year contract in Castle Rock. And when that woman came back from her leave of absence, I came down to the beach, and I thought, well, I'll stay two years, and then I'll have something on my resume, and I can go back to the I-5 corridor. But, you know, just a couple of times across that bridge, and you just come down the slope of the bridge, and you look at the country in front of you, and you say, where else would you want to live? And I thought, I've got it made. I, I love the teaching curriculums and the people that I worked with. And uh, I found a, a church. I found the Kite Festival people. All kinds of supportive and encouraging energy was here. And I found out that to live here, you had to be like a chef or an artist or a writer. And I thought, I'm home. So this is where I let, landed and this is where I stayed. 43 and years ago, by the way. <laughs> 43 years. And you thought you knew a lot about the Long Beach Peninsula, but when you were doing research for your books, you learned a lot more. I did. Um, one of the things that people may not know about you is that your stories have been featured in 41 of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, so which actually makes you one of the series' top five contributors in the world. And I know that you have won uh, op-ed newspaper. You know, you had an op-ed newspaper column, which won all kinds of awards. You've written humorous personal experience, short story collections, poetry chapbooks. 
um, a collection of short stories, and then you wrote a book about a life journey, which really uh, was a powerful experience, and it had to do with the Long Beach Peninsula Boardwalk. It did. I um, I had some early tragedies in my life, and like a lot of people, went through a divorce that I didn't want to go through. And I had gained enough weight that I was up to 396 pounds by the middle of the 1990s. And you can't live very well at 396 pounds. I couldn't find a car that I could fit behind the steering wheel. Uh, I couldn't walk up half a flight of stairs without gasping for breath. Um, I basically was putting on like a fat chastity belt, you know, stay away from me. And, um, and then one day I thought, I want to live longer. I want to, you know, they say the best revenge is living well. And, and I thought, well, what can I do? I wasn't going to do gastric bypass. That just wasn't for me. And I wasn't going to exercise until I collapsed, and I wasn't going to take any pills. And I thought, well, why don't I feed the person I want to be? You know, they say if you take the weight you want to be and put a zero on the end of it, that's how many calories you should eat every day to get to your goal. And I did that, but I also needed to move a little more, like any. (laughs) And so um, the Long Beach Peninsula uh, got a grant back in the early 1990s, and they built a boardwalk that is 0.4 miles long along the dunes. And it's lit at night, because I was too embarrassed to go down there and try to walk it during the daytime. I didn't want anybody to see me. I tried to walk on the road. I live on Sandridge Road, and I tried to walk along the road, and people threw things at me, um, apples and, and milkshakes and all kinds of things. And I thought, hey, I'm trying. And so I went down to the boardwalk at night. And at first, I could only get up the first slope, and it, it wasn't even maybe 35, 40 feet. And I would just hang on to the railing and gasp. And then I walked a little further the next day, and then one day I found myself at the midpoint. And I said, maybe I can do this. There's enough benches to sit down, you know, but you just keep going. You know, I, I had a goal, and I, I worked on it, and it took me two and a half years, but I lost over 250 pounds. That is incredibly inspiring and impressive, and I think what you did actually is um, could be best described by using Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. Kaizen is a Japanese term. It's actually it's a means of making great and lasting change through small, steady increments. So you took, you made a huge change. You saved your life in a way by making, by taking these small steps. You just did the smallest steps, but then you kept doing the small steps, continuous small steps and actions, and and then you changed your life. Well, in teacher talk, they call that task analysis. I I knew I just had to do a little bit, and if I did something, it was more than nothing. And if another day I could do a little more something, then I was moving toward my goal. Um, You know, when I'm, and I still count calories, by the way, and when I'm counting them, I say, well, anything that I eat less than what it takes to maintain my weight is moving me in the right direction. You know, I know what I need to maintain, and I know what I need to lose. And I just have to follow those principles, and and I didn't know that word until today. Kaizen. Kaizen. I'm going to remember that one. Thanks, Donna. Yes, K-A-I-Z-E-N. So, um, Jen, you taught for uh, over 30 years, and and then you were kind of, you were writing, but then you, and again, you've written many books, but this mystery series, it's, uh, talk to us about how you 
because uh, we'll talk about Oyster Spat, your fifth book, which is the one that's being released, and, and the book signing is happening on Friday, July 31st. But you have five books. This is the fifth in your series. So how did this series even begin? Hmm. I, would, I guess I would thank my mother for that, my mother and, and a good friend, because uh, back in the 80s when I said, you know, I'm going to retire in you know, maybe 17, 18 more years, and I started writing little short stories and poems because they weren't very long and didn't take much energy, and you could edit it you know, in one sitting. And I was writing this and writing that, and then uh, I tore my Achilles tendon, and I missed work for over two months. I, I couldn't function. I, I couldn't put any weight on it at all, and, and uh, it, it made my life really change. It was kind of like being, you know, on a pandemic. I was stuck in the house, and I started uh, writing little op-eds for the Chinook Observer, and I sent a few in, and uh, the editor there, he wrote me back, and he said, how about every other week, and I'll put you on contract. Wow, to get paid for my writing? That was amazing, and so I did. And I did that for 10 years and three months. I wrote 272 columns, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I'd always had something to write. I mean, life is a story. So I took that, and I created a book, and it was a collection of the columns, and that was the first one. And then I did a collection of my teaching stories with one of my fourth-grade boys, and that was the second book. And then I put out a couple of poetry chapbooks, and then I did a Christmas collection and a romance collection. I actually had uh, stories in Woman's World magazine at the uh, checkout stand and the grocery stores. And, and so I'd accomplished that. Then I wrote a few plays, but they were one-act plays because I still wasn't ready to commit to anything very long. And, uh, and I knew what the character's name was because I, I, there's a great story that goes with that, but I knew there was what the character was, and I kind of knew what was going to happen in the book, but I hadn't written word one. I had eight books finished, eight books sitting on the table at the holiday bazaars and the craft fairs, and, and then my mother said, Honey, when are you going to write a whole book? And I had eight already out there, and I said, You mean one story all the way through? And she said, Yeah one story all the way through, and I said, I don't know if my computer will go that far. I think it stops at about a thousand words. And so I started researching how to really put that together. And I wrote a synopsis. It was about uh, 24 single-space typewritten pages, and this would be a chapter, and that would be a chapter, and I drew lines across it. I was still stuck, though. And then the man who became my fiancé, we called him the forever fiancé, my FF, he, uh, he looked at me one day and he said, well, you've retired and you've got time to write, but you're filling your days with so many other things. What's important to you? Are you a writer or are you a poser? And right that day, I resigned from a whole lot of things, committees and boards and different things, and I threw myself into it, and the first book happened. And when the first book happened, it set itself up for the second and so I had two when I was looking for an agent for a long time, then decided that self-publishing was my best avenue to get uh, in print. Yes, you are a self-publisher, so you've published all your books. But the series, the series, the first book that you wrote, actually, Bottom Feeders, you wrote the book, and then you found out that it was part of a genre that you didn't know <laughs> yeah. about. I didn't know what I was writing. Um, the genres, mystery itself is like a big umbrella. And under the genre of mystery, you have suspense and thrillers 
and police procedurals, and then they branch off, and there's some that are like a, a mystery and romance together. And, and I didn't know what mine was because I had so much humor in it. Because my, my newspaper column was humorous personal experience, and so I was still using that. And I Googled it, and I wrote light-hearted mystery series, amateur sleuth, and up popped a little thing first on Google, and it said, what is a cozy? C-O-Z-Y. And I thought, I don't know. So I clicked on it, and it was exactly what I was writing. In a cozy, there's no graphic violence. There's no obscene language. There's no explicit sex. But what there is is the important part. What there is, it's an amateur sleuth, usually female, and she works with a local police department in a small town with a quirky cast of characters. And the extra bonus on that is it's got humor in it. And I thought, that's it. I'm writing cozy mysteries. And nobody was more surprised than me. I wrote the woman who had written the article, and we became good friends. And we're All right. Well, let's talk about the series for a minute then. So let's, and, and I think we need to talk about the character, and maybe you want to talk about her name, and then we'll talk about, we'll go through the books a little bit, and then we're going to end up with, with Oyster Spat, and, and along the way we're going to learn some things that we didn't know about the Long Beach Peninsula. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot. And I was teaching uh, U.S. history and Northwest history and Washington State history in my, in my teaching career, and there were still things, and are still things, I have yet to learn. I, um, well, Sylvia was born <laughs> in 1981 or 80, I guess, and I was down in Lincoln City, and I went down to Newport, and I, I wanted to see the bed and breakfast called the Sylvia Beach Hotel. And, and they had all the rooms were decorated per author. Edgar Allan Poe had a, um, a pendulum over the bed, and Agatha Christie had shoes sticking out under the curtain. And that was so much fun that that night when I went out, I, um, I'd been to a play, and I'd read the, the, um, the uh, what is that thing called, the program. <laughs> I'd read the program over and over during the intermission and things and, and looked at the pictures of people, and I really enjoyed the play. I love going to plays, and I love writing plays. And I went out afterward, and I, I stopped in at a bar for a drink, and I had my notepad with me, and I was working on a poem, and in came all the people from the play. And I went over and started helping them push tables and chairs together, and nobody said, who are you with? So I sat down with them. And when they said, who are, who are you? And I said, I'm Sylvia. And because it was Sylvia Beach Hotel, I thought, I'm just going to be a character today. They all got to be a character on stage. I'm going to be a character. So oh after funny. the Sylvia Beach Hotel, I decided I was Sylvia. So that night I was Sylvia. And, and 15 years later, when I thought, okay, my main character is Sylvia, I was at Jackpot, Nevada. Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show was doing the, the uh, music that night. And their big song was Sylvia's Mother. And as that song plays, it's operator, 40 cents more for the next three minutes. And, and they say, please, Mrs. Avery, I just got to talk to her. I've got to tell her hello, goodbye. And I went, wow, Sylvia's last name is Avery. <laughs> and so it took me 15 years to get the first name and the last name and another 15 years to start writing the book. So it took me 31 years to write the first book. After that, it got a little faster. So, and as we talked about before, before we uh, went live, is you know, is it? Do you say Sylvia Avery is the 
heroine or is she the female hero? We don't know. <laughs> She's both. <laughs> She's a fun character who has recently retired from Child Protective Services. That gives her a little background that's close to teaching school, so, you know, the author might know a little bit about it. And uh, Sylvia Avery is in her mid-50s. It's funny, when I started writing this series, we were the same age, and I'm quite a bit older now. But, uh... <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, let me just do a quick station ID here for, at, at the moment. So um, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns, and to, uh, I'm your host, Donna Quinn. Today we're talking with Jan Bono. Jan is a prolific author. She's lived on the Long Beach Peninsula for 43 years. She is unveiling her latest book, uh, The Fifth, in a series, a cozy mystery series, um, at a book signing this Friday, July 31st, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. at the Peninsula Senior Activity Center on O'Lane in Ocean Park, Washington. She also has a website, so if you are driving and you want to find out more about her and her books, uh, you can go to janbonobooks.com, and you will be able to... Uh, get in touch with Jan, and um, and again, the book signing is, is this Friday from 10 to 2, and uh, obviously people are being asked to wear masks, of course. That's the respectful thing to do. So uh, that's happening, and normally uh, Jan would be selling a lot of these books, of course, at Christmas bazaars and things. Those aren't happening. So this is a great way to meet Jan and to learn about. She has the other books as well. But, okay, so, Jan, let's talk about your first book, Sylvia Avery. First book was called Bottom Feeders. Why do you call it Bottom Feeders? <laughs> well, Bottom Feeders are the, the, the criminal element, the drug runners, the people who are, you know, on the shady side of life. And Bottom Feeders are sturgeon in the Columbia River, and I love to go sturgeon fishing. So the bottom feeders, you know, they get all the garbage off the bottom of the river. And, and I thought, you know, I could probably work that into a book. And so sturgeon are, are a key element in solving um, the crime that's going on. And uh, there are, uh, there's drug trafficking happening on the peninsula. And we have a, a bad guy who's called Uncle Harry. And uh, I, I just thought, well, we're going to have him drive a big black car. Now, you find out really quickly that cozies are for fun. Cozies are entertaining. Cozies are for, you know, lighthearted reading. They're not going to keep you up at night. It's not a Stephen King thing that's going to make you scared when you hear noise in the house. It's just going to be a little romp. And mine takes place on the peninsula. So there are things on the peninsula, and there's a map on page five of every book that tells you the names I've changed them to and things, and, and even though it's fiction from start to finish, it is a lot of, um, of factual information that gets worked in, you know, going out to the lighthouse or driving up into the north end to uh, Ledbetter Point or, or doing things that are um, indicative of this area. Right, and and you learned more about sturgeon when you were doing Bob and Peters, and so people learn more about sturgeon, actually. And yeah, and, and they can sturgeon can live for days out of water as long as you just keep them wet and, you know, throw a tarp over them or something. They just keep on ticking. They're prehistoric, amazing fish, and they're actually my favorite food fish, but um, not in this case. In this, in this case, they were being transported to a, uh, a casino that I put on the peninsula. We don't have one, <laughs> but we do in the book. Spartina Point Casino and Resort. And Spartina is the noxious weed that grows... Uh, well, it used to grow pretty prolifically in our bay, but it was invasive, and so it's been eradicated. Right. So, okay, Bottom Feeders, book number one. Bottom Starfish, feeders. book number two. Starfish 
was a made-for-TV movie where the movie stars come to the peninsula, and before they can shoot the first scene down by the boardwalk in Long Beach, uh, there are two murders, and there's such different uh, MOs, you know, modus operandi, that we don't know if it's the same person that committed them or different people, and we have no idea what the motive would be. And so that kind of focuses around, you know, movie stars, and, and at the end of it, the sheriff says, the only stars I want to see around here are the starfish on the beach. That's wonderful. All right, book number three, Crab Bait. Crab Bait, um, <laughs> you know, in, in book one, one of the characters, Jimmy, who manages a little motel, a little, uh, a little derelict uh, cinder block construction ancient motel. He's only got six units in it. But he, um, he gets, gets a threatening phone call, and they say, we're going to make crab bait out of you. Well, if you've ever fished for crab, you know that's the head of the salmon and the guts and the, you know, the stinky stuff that the crab are attracted to because they're also bottom feeders. And so they'll come along and clean up the bottom of the ocean for us. But in Crab Bait, the book, it starts with a disappearance of someone off the back of a crab boat. And we don't know if that's been a murder, an accident, or suicide. And his wife was out on the boat with him, and so was his wife's best friend. And are they in cahoots? And the wife's best friend happens to be Sylvia Avery's mother. And it's in that book that I bring in um, a geriatric belly dancing troupe. Because what's more fun than that? (laughs) A geriatric belly dancing troupe. I like it. I like it. Yeah, they're 68 to 85 years old. They're how old? 68 to 85. Marvelous. Yes, super seniors, baby. We can do it. Okay, hook, line, and sinker, your fourth book. Well, because when I got finished with Crab Bait... The geriatric belly dancing troupe didn't want to leave, and I fell in love with all of them. You know, it's, it's miserable when your characters become your best friends, but, you know, they, they have a wonderful re- residence in my head. And so in Hook, Line, and Sinker, I thought, well, if these gals are all widows and all very viable, active women, why wouldn't they look for love again? And so I had them go to online dating. And the online dating site they went to is called Soulmates, but it's S-O-L-E, because I kept the fish theme going. And so they, uh, they, they try to be careful when they're tr- doing online dating, but they make some mistakes. And the sheriff is running around like crazy trying to keep them safe and passing out pepper spray and, and having them followed when they're going to have a date. And, uh, and Sylvia, of course, is trying to protect her mother, who is the leader of the belly dancing troupe. And uh, sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. Right. Okay. I want us to get on because we're going to be running out of time here in five or six minutes. And we got to talk about oyster stat. This is the fastest half an hour of my life, I swear. Oyster stat, (laughs) hot off the press. What is an oyster stat? Well, oyster stat, like all my titles, are double entendres. And they have an oyster, when when it's spawned, is a tiny little seed that free floats in the water. And until it attaches to a piece of shell called culch, rhymes with mulch, but it's culch, until it attaches to another piece of oyster shell, um, it's just a larva out there that, you know, isn't really considered an oyster yet. It hasn't formed. But once it attaches to the shell, it's known as spat. So an oyster spat is, a, is an oyster seed or larva that attaches to a shell. 
And an oyster spat is also when two people get into a little tiff or argument, which is what happens in the book. We've got two uh, oyster families who are not quite getting along, and that goes back decades. And so I've got some new characters coming in who are a little younger than in their 50s and 60s, and I get to have a lot of fun with them, too. So, boy, boy, did I learn a lot about oyster farming. I didn't know anything, I think, when I started. And I interviewed uh, oyster people, and I, I read a lot of uh, newspaper articles and did some research online. And, and uh, I'm much more educated now, but I still only eat the smoked ones because I don't like the green surprise in the middle. Uh-huh. Well, I'm a huge oyster fan. I think oysters are power food, power food. However... You, I want to talk about just briefly, because we just have a few minutes left, and I want to give you an opportunity to kind of sum some things up here, but um, you have a big fan. You have Margie Beard, who was the librarian, right? And she's 93, and she got the first book, the first Oyster Spat. You just delivered it to her, I believe, yesterday. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I did. I posted a picture online. It's on my Jan Bono Books page on Facebook, if anybody wants to check that out. And it's... uh, Marjorie Beard was such an instrumental uh, mentor to me. And when I stopped writing, because I did stop, I had a three-year hiatus in the middle, I thought that writers could not not write. But after my fiancé passed away, I just kind of curled up in a fetal position. And then one day she called me, and she was 90, 90 and a half, and she said, how long do you think I'm going to live? And I said, what are you talking about, Marge? And she said, I'm waiting for book three. And because she cared enough to call me and ask me why I wasn't writing, I started writing that afternoon, and so she got the first copy of book three, book four, and yesterday, book five. Oh, my God. That's so great. Uh, Jan, good for you. Good for you, Margie. And since we do just have a couple of minutes left here, Jan, I want to allow you to say anything we haven't talked about or anything you want the, uh, the listening audience to know. Obviously, we hope they'll come to the book signing this Friday, July 31st at the Peninsula a senior activity center from 10 to 2, but they can also, if people want to buy, like, buy early Christmas presents, they can buy your the five-book series, the Sylvia Avery series, or yeah. whatever. So what else would you like the listening audience to know right now? Well, um, hook, Oyster Spat is not yet up on my website, and um, but there is a link on the website that will get you to write a message to me. So if you can't make the book signing on Friday, um, feel free at any time between now and Christmas or whenever, uh, birthdays, anything, to write me a message, and I will correspond with you on, uh, on the email, and we can set up a time and a place that I can just hand them to you, or if it's a mail thing, I do give you a discount on um, some of the postage and things if you're ordering, like, the whole set or something. Um, right. I, I love writing this series, and, and I know there's going to be a number six, but I keep saying that's the last one, that's the last one, and then I write one more. And so I don't know how long the series will continue, and uh, I'm having so much fun doing it. And I want to encourage any of your listeners that if you've got some kind of thing that's just bugging you because you haven't done it, today would be a good day to start. And they can just make one tiny action, Kaizen, one tiny step, because exactly. that begins one the process. One step at a time. Any motion is better than no motion. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, Jan, thank you so much for making time for this interview today. Thank and, you. And, uh, again, Jan's website is jan, J-A-N, bono, B-O-N-O, books.com. 
You can learn about her other books. Uh, Oyster Spat's not quite up there yet. It will be soon, but you can see her, obviously, this Friday in Long Beach. You can get in touch with her on her website and uh, learn more about the Long Beach Peninsula as you have a fun romp with this cozy series from Jan Bono. Thank you, Donna. Thank you so much, Jan. And uh, thanks to all of you who listen to Coast Community Radio. My gratitude to Nevada for doing the engineering this morning. And also um, so much thanks to local talented banjo instructor Michael Bruin for his original theme music for this program. Until next week, well, let's actually do it right now. Let's all take a moment and take a very deep breath, a deep abdominal belly breath. It is so good for body, mind, and spirit. We just we hold our breath sometimes throughout the day, and deep breathing helps relax our nervous system. It's good for everything, especially during these challenging times we're living in. And then with gratitude, focus on the things that are going well in your life. There always will be things that aren't going well. Focus on those things that are with gratitude, and then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for being uniquely you, for doing the best you can, because everyone is, and when we know to do better, we do do better. But you're doing the best you can at this moment in time, and, and then appreciate being here now, in this moment, the only moment that exists, the now moment, on the amazing planet we call Earth.